This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Uh, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Dr. Sulik Jain. He is currently serving as the chairman of and member of the governing council of the International School for Jane Studies, North America, and previously served as president of the Federation of Jane Associations in North America. Dr. Jane also authored the book, An Ahimsa Crisis, You Decide. Uh, thank you so very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, my friends, Dennis. Good. Um, can we call you Sulek? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Sulek, um, we were eager to have you on the show because um, most of our listeners are quite familiar with uh, the other uh, religious traditions that come to us from India, especially Hinduism and Buddhism, and we've had we had a Sikh representative on, um, but very few people know about Jainism, and uh, you know it's got this long and interesting and honorable heritage, ten million Jains in India, um, and I would think most Americans don't even know you know that there are Jains living in America and that there are Jain temples in America. So we're happy to uh, have the opportunity to uh, have people learn about that tradition. Tell us, perhaps, uh, to open with um, what the origins of Jainism are, and then we'll get into the teachings. Uh, Jainism is as old as India. It is one of the oldest religions of the world, and has the Hindu tradition, or what we call at that time Vedic tradition, many, many thousands of years ago, was developing in that the, those religions were God-centric, creator-centric, and their agent was Brahmins, and the books were Vedas. At the same time, exactly the same time, another tradition called by the Islamic tradition, that also developed, and they said there is no creator, and as such, and there's no need for a middleman or middle person like the Brahmins. And Vedas are one of the holy books, but there are many, many books which people have produced. So the, the Islamic tradition was a religion or a philosophy of complete self-help, self-control, self-help. So these two traditions lived side by side, developed side by side, and for many, many hundreds of years, maybe 1,000 years. And 2,500 years ago, out of the Islamic tradition, two religions or two branches uh, sprang apart. One is Buddhism, another is Jainism. They around the same time. The, the name Jainism was given 2550 uh, years ago. So the previous the name was Islamic tradition. So it is as old as India. It is not part of any other religion. It is an independent religion. Mm -hmm. uh, if okay. I could ask, yeah, if I could ask, uh, Sulik. Uh, uh, in, in, uh, the, in the Jain religion, uh, is it something one needs to be born into uh, or is it something somebody can become? And if you can become, if somebody were to become a Jain, is there a ritual or, uh, that they have to go through or is there a body of knowledge they must stu first study before they enter into your religion, if that's possible? Okay. The answer to your first question is no, you do not have to be born into Jainism there's no baptism, there's no conversion. 
Okay, mm-hmm. Jainism, the whole philosophy, Jainism, the central pole of Jainism, is based on non-violence, ahimsa. So anybody who believes in ahimsa, non-harming, non-hurting, not injuring, by self, by others, mentally, verbally, or physically, is a Jain. Does not have to have a title. So there's no such thing uh, that conversion, or you do not have to have a knowledge. You have to start with the basic belief that ahimsa, uh, the non-violence, is my religion. That is my uh, aim. That's what I want to follow. Very good. Um, since you uh, brought up ahimsa as a central uh, tenet of Jainism, um, many people listening to this will be familiar with ahimsa, uh, perhaps through the work of uh, Gandhi, or perhaps just uh, as students of yoga, and reading uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, where Ahimsa is is mentioned. Um, How is it in Jainism, uh, how, there it's it's a really central element, and many people are familiar with the Jain ascetics who wear the face mask so they don't harm uh, insects and so forth. Um, but obviously there's a householder tradition, too. You're a mechanical engineer with a family. Um, so maybe you can elaborate a bit about Ahimsa and its applications in the Jain tradition. Uh, you are correct that uh, the Mahatma Gandhi and his whole philosophy is based on nonviolence. And also yoga is based on nonviolence. Mahatma Gandhi drew his formative years right from his childhood up to the up to practically his death he was molded he was shaped by jainism the ahimsa that he applied he took that practice as a spiritual practice into a practical practice into the daily life uh, into politics into many other nature and needs of the society so mahatma gandhi very much was practically a jain uh, even though he was born in hindu tradition and some of his mentors at the very early, one of them was Shirimad Rajchand, uh, who really initiated him uh, into the philosophy of nonviolence. So that's what Mahatma Gandhi did, and so he's the biggest exponent in one way of Ahimsa <coughs> as well as at the same time of Jainism. Yoga is very much part of Jainism. If you look at all our Tirthankars, all our spiritual leaders, they absolutely, their poses are shown in meditation. Yes. So meditation is not something, uh, a monopoly of one tradition or one uh, religion. It's a tradition which is permeates throughout the philosophy and the population of India. So from both perspectives, uh, Jainism is very much there, upright in the front. But right. for somebody, Sulik, uh, uh, that is not a monk, uh, that like yourself has a family, maybe has a job, what, whatever, in the world, what level of asceticism do, do, do they practice? Do they fast? Do they, uh, do they, do they uh, uh, put their bodies in certain situations to create uh, uh, non-attachment? Uh, what sort of uh, practices uh, do uh, folks following the, the Jain religion uh, follow? And I'm, I'm specifically talking about those folks living and working in the world with families. Uh, the, when one renounces the world and becomes a mendicant or a monk, that person is taking the vow of, a lifelong vow of uh, practicing of ahimsa, uh, doing minimum harm, and if there is another alternate. 
Now he does not, he or she, the monk and the nun, do not have to, uh, you know, prepare the food, do not have from the food, they do not have a household, they do not have a family, and do not have money, and they have nothing. So their attachment is very, very minimum, which is to their few pieces of clothing, which is very simple and non-stitched. So, and a couple of utensils just to eat food. So, householder like me are not like that, okay? So, there are five vows which are prescribed in Jainism to practice this non-violence. We call uh, Mahavratas and Anuvratas. These are the vows. For the monk, the vows are the same, exactly for the monk as well as for the householder. It's the degree or the level. And the Mahavrata means great vows, uh, which are uh, non-violence, non, um, absolutely in everything, and non-speaking and, and truth in everything, speaking the truth, non-attachment, and uh, non-stealing, and also celibacy. So that is the uh, vow of what we call great vows for the monk. Similarly, with the 12th level, we call anuvarta, smaller vows. Same vows, but to a practical level. Okay? If I do the business, I never, must do the business with minimum of, non, minimum of violence. If I am living, I should be very careful that I do not do stealing, I do not do cheating, I do not do adulteration, and many, many of those things that go along with right. it. I speak the truth to the maximum level as as, as possible. Celibacy is for the monks and nuns, but for the householder, the celibacy is that there should be a limit and it should be limit to, uh, to your spouse and it should be with the ethical treatment, not just abusing. So the, the vows are the same, but the only their levels are different. Right. Phil, if I could ask a follow-up question. Yeah, go ahead. In the United States, uh, at one time, not now, but in the past, they used to require people go into military service and there were certain uh, uh, religions in America that were uh, somewhat popular, like the Quakers, and they were also uh, uh, very strong in nonviolence. And so they were allowed uh, not to participate in military activities. They were called, uh, you know, uh, th there was a category for them, uh, conscientious objectors. Uh, now, in, in, uh, if somebody is a Jane and they're in a country that requires military service, how do they deal with that? Uh, this is a very practical question you have asked, which many, many people had this dilemma, especially when there was a, you have to register for the military, mm -hmm. which of course is not there anymore. Uh, in India, Jain, there are many Jain rulers have been there, many, many rulers and kings over the last uh, many, many thousands of years. There have been many generals and commanders uh, who were Jains. Huh. Jains have gone into military even today. So these Jains, with a certain code of conduct, that they go for the defense and the civilization and the culture of the country. They are not there to kill anyone. If the civilization and the culture of that particular country, say for me, like India, is threatened, then I must have a duty to save that, to do and bear arms, but not there to do for the aggression on any other country or to acquire more land or to acquire their resources. So that is the case in India. So it is not forbidden completely. Over here, during the last 50 years or so, there have been few Jains uh, who have been conscious objectors, but not many. So there have been Jains, I know some Jains, uh, who have gone into military either in the, as a medical doctors 
or many other professions, but uh, conscious objectors are very few. And it depends upon the situation like the Seventh-day Adventist, no, not Quakers, Quakers, that uh, uh, who will not go that. Some Jains will take that step, uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, that route. But it is not completely forbidden that you completely let the country be killed and destroyed, and there should be women and children be completely you know, annihilated. Now, that's... The Jain should not be just standing idle and watching the whole show and uh, mm-hmm. that the, everything is game, being burnt. Okay? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very good. And, and, and I talk about all these in my books also, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the level of ahimsa, level of practice that one has to follow. Uh, gi- gi- give you another example that uh, there are in India many, many uh, judges, very, uh, judges of the high courts and other courts. They have many times, they have to write death sentences. Okay, the crime has been mm. so, you know, huge. So I, in fact, uh, interviewed one high court judge in India, and I asked her, uh, how many times have you written the death sentence, and being a Jain? And she said to me, first of all, not many times, whenever that opportunity arises, she made sure that she was doing completely as observing the law, not against animosity against that person, not any hatred. And she said to me, that she read that case at least 10, 15 times to make sure that somebody had not just uh, roped that person into this crime. And uh, even after doing that, she said she could not sleep for many, many days Mm. because it bothered her how can she write the death sentence of somebody with her own hands. So it is not easy, but when we have to do the duty, we must rise to that occasion. But with with precautions, with caution, okay? Yes. Um, thank you. By the way, how many uh, Jains are there in America? Uh, the, in America, I would include Canada also, mm-hmm. and that, what we call North America. At this time, our figure I estimate is about 150,000 Jains. Mm. Okay. Um, and most of, most, of, most of them in America. Uh, Sulek, um, Jainism is, doesn't have a founder. Uh, associated with it, like Buddha uh, or Jesus, um, but the the figure, historical figure that's most associated with Jainism, the only one whose name I know, is Mahavira. Uh, can you tell us about him and why he has this uh, stature in the tradition? Uh- According to Jains, there are 24 like Mahavira. Mahavira was the 24th. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and the 23rd, who called Parshnath, he was 250 years before Mahavira. And Mahavira was born uh, 2,600 some years ago, so 599 B.C. And uh, before that, there were 22nd, according to Jain traditions, uh, who was a contemporary of uh, Lord Krishna. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. And 20th, it was a temp- contemporary of Lord Rama. So it goes back a long, long time. Now, those are beliefs, or those are histories, but the 23rd and 24th are very much historical figures. Mm-hmm. The 23rd, 200, which is 2,850 years ago. Mahavira was the most uh, you know, recent one, again, uh, 2,600 years ago. And he brought many, many changes into this one. And one of those changes was that uh, he organized the fourfold religion, which is monks and nuns, and 
male male household and female household so this is the this is the community that he organized he created a code of conduct for every all of them he also uh, many other traditions women he worked very very hard uh, with brahmins to stop the uh, use or killing of animals for their spiritual or for agni or homam homa or mm-hmm. uh, you know sacrifice in many of those traditions they said this is not that killing and or sacrificing animal is not religion if you want to sacrifice sacrifice your ego your faults uh-huh. your deficiencies your passions okay if you want to if you want to win somebody if you want to have a victory victory have on your own passions not over somebody outside so this is how he organized and he created a pretty big reasonable following in those days so from that time uh, the history you know starts that it is the beginning of the jainism but jainism been around uh, in some other form or shape as mentioned as shamanic tradition but the name jainism Uh, so of course ism came much later this is a very western word ism but uh, jain dharma jain religion uh, started uh, in that pre- present shape from mahavira i and you I, want to, mm-hmm. you want to know about mahavira yes go ahead <laughs> yeah okay uh, mahavira again i mentioned to you that he was born in the state of bihar which is one of the states of india on the eastern side of india 599 bc he was about 227 years older than buddha okay they mm. were born in a similar tradition within 100 miles apart they both belonged to some princely state and they grew up under the similar circumstances of those days conditions were the same and uh, uh, mahavira you know left the world he became an ascetic a complete renunciate at the age of 30 and at the age of 42 and a half when he did his complete meditation for 12 and a half years and lot of fasting he attained absolute perfect uh, knowledge and from the age of 42 to 72 then he practiced he preached uh, the sermons and organized the whole religion and buddha practically more or less uh, followed the same path but um, he also some tradition say that he also became a jain monk but the austerity the practices the that one has to follow they were so severe so he took a middle path mm-hmm. and um, uh, more or less similar so the philosophy between two of them are very very similar there are a few differences here and there but i would say to a significant extent they bo- both are very same right. so sulik uh, uh, are there uh, jain temples and can a person who is not a jain enter into those temples and uh, when they do what they, what would they what would one expect to see and experience there what takes place uh, are you talking uh, in india or over here uh, uh, well let's talk about over here and india is there a difference i guess there's a difference then so no. what, what would you see uh, in either place okay uh, this is a question when i teach courses or classes in universities in this country is asked to me quite a lot you know how jainism is different over here than it is in india uh, the differences are that during this 2600 years of growth in india as always happens in all religion four different traditions different means uh, only from a ritualistic standpoint they developed in india we call shwetambaras and digambar and in the shwetambara they do further those mm-hmm. two more traditions so over here we completely try to break those barriers 
so that we are all Jains, we are not Digambaras, we are not Shvetambaras. So the temple that we built here, and there are quite a few, practically about eight zero, uh, we try to create that then none of those differences, none of those walls will exist. So Shvetambar and Digambar idols are on the same platform, same place, and people do not know the difference uh, when that happens. Uh, in my case, I come from one tradition of Jainism, was born, and my wife comes from another tradition, and so my children, which tradition they will belong to? So they, they belong to Jainism. So that is what we try to do. Second, mm -hmm. other tradition that you, we are trying to create, we started giving much bigger role to women in this country and also the youth. Mm. Okay? Now, if you go to a Jain temple, for an example, in Buena Park in Los Angeles, which I hope is not too far from you, hmm? uh, if you go there, it's a beautiful temple. You, during the days when it is open, which is open practically most of the time, you can go there and there's no uh, priest over there. You do your own meditation, you do your own prayers, you do your own scripture reading. So it is your individual effort based. And uh, you, whatever you do, you just want to sit and do meditation in a common, nice, quiet place, that's fine. So there's no ritual involved. So uh, same thing quite a lot in India, but there is a, a, a Digambar tradition temple will be different and the Shwetambar tradition temple will be different, but not here. Another great thing that we did here, Phil, that where the population of Jains was very small, they could not afford a temple of their own, we combined with Hindus and Jains together. Ah, ah. Uh -huh. so, so which is, again, it is not the case in India. Right. So I'm talking to you, coming to you from uh, Las Vegas, okay? Phil? Uh. So? Only about 40 families of Jains. So uh. we have a Hindu-Jain temple combined, okay? Uh-huh. Okay, so that is, you know, we, we learn and borrow from each other tradition, and that, I think, creates the much better awareness of what we are, who we are. You know, I was in a couple of Jain temples in India, one mm -hmm. fabulous temple in Rajasthan. I was, okay. also, I was also at the caves in Ellora, where there's a whole complex of ancient uh, Jain uh, mm -hmm. caves, cave temples, and they're uh, just architecturally spectacular. Uh, which temple did you go to in Rajasthan? There I can't, rem the <laughs> I can't uh, remember the name. Okay. Uh, was it in a, a mountain top? No, not the, we... not the one you have to climb a lot. This was... Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's really uh, I, beautiful. Uh, no, no. Uh, I just... Uh, I just forgot the name. It will come back to me. But that's yeah. one of the most beautiful temples yeah. in Rajasthan. Okay? It is. Yes, beautiful. Um, Sulek, one of the, uh, when I was reading uh, some of your writing about Jainism, in addition to Ahimsa, you point out that um, one of the key uh, tenets of Jainism is uh, intellectual multiplicity and relativity. Could you explain that? I found that fascinating. Uh, that is something, a philosophical concept that developed, uh, I think, I would say from Mahavira's time, maybe even earlier. The, the word is, uh, the Sanskrit word is anekantvad, okay? And uh, the other word which is in with us is shyadvad. That is, truth is never one-sided. 
Nobody can understand or describe the entire truth. For an example, I just give you, uh, I am Sulek Jain, okay? You have read a little bit about me, but uh, <clears throat> that's not complete Sulek Jain. Somebody, uh, a physician will know me, that his heart is this and other arteries are working and he has a sense or no sense. He will know me by, by what I call my physical uh, medical history. Mm-hmm. Again, he does not know uh, what I am. So he will describe me for that person. A politician who wants my money, he will describe mm-hmm. me that this guy has money and he can donate money. A teacher will describe me in a different fashion. My parents will describe me, my wife will describe me, all from their perspective. And so you go on and on, my children, my, they will have another. So when you put it all together, then even then Sulek Jain is not completely described, but uh, it will have a much better picture. So if you look at any situation, and uh, there's hardly anybody who can describe the complete truth. So when you combine together, that will be the multi-sided truth of that reality. Mm-hmm. So that's what we call anekantvad. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I hope by giving this example, uh, take, take for an example sugar. Simple thing. It comes in many colors. It comes in different uh, many sweetness uh, categories. It has uh, uh, fineness. It's so many chemical properties, mechanical properties, uh, uh, you, you name it. So you cannot say this is just sugar. It is a one part of description that I am saying it is sugar. But I don't know what the uh, sweetness level is. So in everything that comes, and once people have this uh, uh, multiplicity of views, then I would say, uh, Phil, you are as much right as I am wrong, okay, mm-hmm. in any situation. And then the fight, I accept what you are saying, and I'm the, to some extent you are true, and to some extent I am also true. So let's have a good understanding. And that's what uh, uh, this anekantva, uh, the multiplicity or non-one-sidedness brings about. Mm-hmm. And it's ex- ex- very much part of non-violence, because why people fight many times on my way is the only way. My right. way. Huh? My, my language is the only way, my dress is the only way, my food is the only way. So people fight on those things. And here Mahavira and Jainism said, no, uh, we, we need to understand from each other's perspective and the viewpoints where they come from. Let me ask you a follow-up question on that. Uh, for people who are in the world, a Jain business person or somebody, a Jain politician or a lawyer, um, would that principle in real life, in dealing with other people, be difficult to maintain? Uh, in reality, not. I have been an engineer, and there were many, many situations uh, when I was con- confronted with. But then I say, hey, let me take a deep breath. Let mm-hmm. me find out what are the other reasons uh, that are around, okay? Let me not make a decision just based on one observation or one fact. And really, when I stopped that and found that there are so many other angles, my view is not the only view, then I think I was able to make a better decision. Same thing in the, in the practice of law. It is exceptionally, uh, very much essential that a lawyer... Huh, should be willing to look at many, many aspects, just should be able to look at uh, many situations, mentally, verbally, and physically, if this crime has been committed. So I think this has an application in business, in uh, law, in medicine, uh, you, you name it, in family situations. Right. Uh, Sulik, uh, uh, one last question for me, actually in two parts. One is, uh, 
you mentioned meditation. Is there a particular type of meditation that uh, Jain people practice? Uh, uh, and, and the second uh, question is, if somebody, uh, any of our listeners want to find out more about uh, Jain religion, uh, where would they go? But first one about the meditation. Uh, meditation is a practice of non-violence. Meditation is when you uh, shut down the outside world. You go inside. You look at your own journey of life. You look at how I am behaving to the people, to the surroundings all around me. And what have I done? And whatever I have done, I take a stock of my life of 24 hours or whatever the period may be. And why did I get angry? Why did I do this? Why did I do cheating? All of those things. So you take a complete balance sheet and you start making a changes that I will not do this kind of behavior. So meditation is a, gives you that reflection. Mm-hmm. Meditation is a self-talking to self, not, uh, not to the outside world. And that only happens through meditation when I shut down the outside uh, and the, 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 uh, all the things that happen by listening, by hearing, by taste and smell and all of that. So meditation takes you, puts you closer to your own inner, inner self. Okay, so that's what, and uh, so Jains do practice meditation. Right. All our monks and nuns practice meditation. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you go to temple, you are need to, you are supposed to sit down. Uh, so that is a very much part of. Uh, now there are different forms of meditation that have been uh, you know practiced or pro- uh, promoted, and in this country, if one wants to really uh, go and uh, study some uh, meditation. We have at three places, Houston, Orlando, and New Jersey, uh, three centers where they have full-time two nuns, Jain nuns. And these people, uh, they change every year uh, because they are not allowed to stay at one place for a long period. And they they teach meditation. They give you the practice. And many, many, free, by the way, all this is free. Mm -hmm. People come there and they sit down, they teach them how to control your outside vibration, how to go inside deeper. So it's a, it's a kind of a, a technique they try to promote. All right. And, and then uh, finally, have... uh, the uh, question, uh, last question for me, and that is, uh, if our listeners want to find out more about the Jain religion, uh, where would you recommend they go, or where, where uh, is there a website or somewhere you would recommend? Uh, these days, a lot of information is on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one can type uh, Jainism on uh, Google. One will find many, many information. There's a Federation of Jain Association in North America, uh, and there are many, many universities, not many, there are eight or ten universities now which will be offering regular classes and courses in Jainism. Uh, one can write to me, and I can provide some answers and question, answer their questions. So there are hundreds of places right. uh, where one can look at uh, uh, information about Jainism. Right. I, I just want to say, Phil, I, I read the Wikipedia on Jainism, and it was the most, one of the yeah. most complete uh, uh, Wikipedia uh, definitions. It, it's uh, voluminous. There was a lot there. And, you know, I, I, I took in a lot of information. I really appreciate that. So we'll make sure to post that up. Phil, uh, Yeah, I have um, maybe, uh, Sulek, if you can try to do this uh, briefly. But I was wondering, um, uh, many of our listeners will be very familiar with certain concepts that are common in the other Indic traditions 
particularly the people who are yogis and uh, familiar with the precepts of Hinduism and Buddhism. And I'm wondering if there's parallels or the same in Jainism. So I'm thinking of karma, I'm thinking of moksha or liberation, and I'm thinking of reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, uh, reincarnation, moksha, nirvana, uh, liberation, and uh, the the, uh, karma, and non-violence. They practically, you will find in all these, especially three uh, Indic traditions of India, and also into Sikhism to some extent. Okay, so the only the difference will be level and intensity and their uh, their depth. Okay, so uh, Jains, for an example, as we have already talked, they will not go into certain businesses. They will not do something. They will not go in deforestation. They will not go into uh, harming the environment. Okay, they will not go and starting fires into the forest as happened in California, and they will not go into meat business. They will not own slaughterhouses. You go on and on. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hindus may or may not do, but the Jains will not do. They will think ten times. Is it something kosher? Is it something to the <laughs> principle of those? Huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, I use that word kosher. I like that. Word. I like that. That's a, a, okay. a nice. Uh, that's interfaith. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. So. Uh, and other things that we do. Uh, we are not just married to one particular, uh, uh, I would say, congregation. There's no such thing as congregation in Jainism. So I select Jain. I go to practically, uh, I go to Jews' uh, uh, synagogue. I go to Christian uh, Sunday prayer. I go to Hindu temple. I go to Sikh temple. You know, all of those. So wherever I can get uh, uh, the lessons to my uh, mortality, okay, that can aware me that I'm here for a shorter journey of life. Okay, and make me aware. That's where I uh, my faith resides. Okay, very Madness. good. I I I learned. Uh, th- I want to thank you, uh, Sulik. I learned a tremendous amount uh, today. I uh, that uh, Jain religion I knew very little about. I feel I know much more now. But uh, really, just uh, uh, and much 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 more I'd like to learn. So uh, you've uh, inspired me to 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 read and and to learn more. Uh, thank you so very much for your time. Phil, uh, anything else? You, you, you have done your homework. You have done a lot more study than I have. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. So, thank you very uh, much, Sulek. And uh, we will uh, have all your information and links when we post this on the website. Okay. Will this po- podcast be available on some link? Yes. Huh? We yes. Will let, we'll notify you when we put it out. Okay. Right. I, I hope it was clear enough. I hope very uh, my accent was reasonably okay. Perfect. Uh, it was wonderful, okay. and I, I uh, like I said, it was very illuminating, very uh, informative for me. Mm. So I enjoyed it very much. Thank mm. you so much. M- muchas gracias. <laughs> Be well. Adios. Adios. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.